All right, welcome back to Agency Journey. I'm your host, Gray McKenzie from Zen Pilot. And this week, I've got the pleasure of bringing on Shema Heider, who is the CEO of Zen Media, uh, which is an awesome PR and marketing firm for B2B companies, but she's also an author, uh, speaker, and I'm super excited to have you here. Shema, welcome. Thank you, Gray. Cheers. I, I'm addicted Cheers, to tea these days. Like, yeah, like, I, it's not even tea. I just, it's not even these days. That's a lie. I just... Like, I think I drink like eight cups a day. What are you drinking right now? This is chai. So this is like okay. very, this is Indian tea. Yeah. Uh, closest thing would be like people who get chai lattes and stuff. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, it's like black tea, milk and sugar. It's like very traditional Indian tea. Do you drink coffee at all? I don't. I, those were my, um. I've got uh, a whole history of weird resolutions, but one of mine going into college was I'm not going to get addicted to caffeine. So I was going to refuse to drink coffee. So I haven't had any coffee. Uh, let's see. That would have been 2007 when I went to school. So however many years that is, 15 years, zero coffee. Wow. Good for uh, you. But you'd be ashamed of my tea drinking habits. I'm like, <laughs> I'm never like, here's a bag of peppermint from the store, whatever's on the shelf. I have zero refined taste when it comes to tea. Okay. Well, um, if you like off the shelf stuff, I highly recommend Trader Joe's. Okay. They have a amazing like night tea. They call it like dream time or something, and it's really great. It's got like lemongrass and chamomile and and all the good stuff. So if you are gonna do like off the shelf, then uh, yeah. And it's I don't. Hey, look, I'm a mom of two, so caffeine is is my friend. I don't want to say, but I, I I think I didn't grow up in a household with coffee, right? So I grew up in a chai household. We my parents drink a lot. Like that's just what you drink, and I. Like, thank you, colonialism, because we're like a tea time. So it was a big thing in our house. And so, yeah, I think that's kind of just what stuck is, um, is having tea. That's amazing. Well, come for the agency content. Stay for the tea recommendation. <laughs> Seriously, I will, not, I will not steer you wrong. I love it. Um, Zen Media. So we both share. We've got companies here. You're the first guest on the podcast who also has an eight-letter domain name .com that starts with Z E N for Zen. Why, why Zen Media? Yay! Okay, so um, and I'd love to hear why Zen Pilot, by the way, because I what a cool yep. yes. So um, and you know, yeah, agency names are so interesting, right? You can go so many so many ways with them. So my first book that I ever wrote was called The Zen of Social Media Marketing, and it was one of the first books on social media. Like, didn't. The topic didn't exist. The books didn't exist. So it's really one of the first books. I wrote the original one in 2009. Now, like me, the latest is the fourth edition. Um, and my whole point of writing this book was I saw people trying to use social media. Let me say trying to use. And I put that kind of in air quotes. Um, as if it was an old marketing channel or like an advertising channel. So it was like, this is like a billboard, right? Or this is TV. So they treated the channel like digital the same way they treated any type of older communication format that they may be familiar with. The problem was this was your first two-way channel. This wasn't like a one-way, this was not a broadcast channel, right? That was one element of it. So the companies and brands I saw really struggle with this were the ones that kept clashing. Like they kept trying to force their norms and what they knew onto a platform that they didn't fully understand, that they might not, you know, um, fully even appreciate. And they had a lot of conflict. So I was like, what's kind of the right way? And the Zen way really was, what if you understood this fully? What if you understood the landscape and what it was meant to? And then you harness that power. 
So Zen wasn't like some of, you know, wasn't my take on like an enlightened, there's no Buddhist background there. It simply was, what if you marketed to your customers, your prospects in a way that aligns, right? So you go with the flow. So that's really what Zen meant to me. It was like, go with the flow. Um, and then, yeah, and then that's that's kind of how, so the book came first. We were called, um, we've had many iterations, you know, as, as I think all good agencies should, you have to evolve to serve your customers. And we were marketing Zen, and then we grew really beyond that, right, uh, to to serving again, our customers and the way they were changing. And then Zen Media is, is where we where we landed. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, I found a video from you by, or, uh, with you from South by 2009, um, just talking about social and talking about, um, that was probably shortly either before or after the book had come out. Uh, but that, I mean, like there's very few folks who were writing about social media, obviously in 2009 so you're early to the curb there and i think that that totally makes sense with the zen media side um long evolution you talked about the different kind of the different steps in the agency journey can you give everyone kind of the profile of what does zen media look like today yeah so this race do that you have to tell me how did you land zen pilot and by the way i'm impressed slash embarrassed that you found a video from 2009 i'm like oh my goodness i I could have used uh, I could have used a better haircut. Um, anyways, <laughs> I, have, I have a few skill sets, but internet sleuthing is uh, is one of the amazing. Do, do my research. Um, the short version is since 2013. This is similar to to your story. We've had multiple stages. We first tried to solve the agency operations and project management problem through a project management software. Um, that was called Do Inbound. So I talked about before we started recording, kind of our roots in the HubSpot and inbound ecosystem um, and wound up rebranding as we transitioned from a software company to basically helping folks get the team behaviors and processes and systems right on top of somewhere else's software. But the same mission as I've been there, which is how do we take all the chaos that we think is just normal in agency life and create as much clarity for team members as possible. And so the idea of Zen Pilot was we want the calm and clarity of Zen. Again, same thing, no Buddhist roots or anything, but that Zen idea, and I want to empower agency leaders, agency operators to be the pilot to guide their team to that to that clarity and to the Zen state. Yeah. I love it. And great, you did not pay me to see this, but our team has obviously worked with you guys. We talked about this before we went online, and they had a really great experience. They're clamoring now to do more, so we're having those internal discussions I shared with you. But clearly, you guys have found a great niche, and you've found a way to deliver on that value so kudos team on that because i think we all know how challenging that is right there's like the the marketing agency and like the deliverability side and they're both such massive massive undertakings um you asked me how you know where we are as an agency and, and so i started the company by myself a little background in 2009 as like one employee um we grew very quickly we passed a million in revenue i think in like our first two years or or whatnot. I was 22 and knew nothing about starting a business. I only knew about marketing and social media and how passionate I was. Today, we're 65 people and uh, we do, you know, PR marketing for predominantly tech-driven B2B companies across industries, professional services, manufacturing, SaaS, you name it. Uh, B2B generally requires a higher level of sophistication, as you well know. You're speaking to um, 
a more discerning audience. You know, it's a more sophisticated audience. The language has to be a little bit different. Your strategies have to be slightly different. Uh, generally, a much bigger buyer pool, like meaning you're not necessarily even selling to one person. There's multiple people, decision-making process. It's quite complex. Part of what I try to do is educate people on how the buying process has changed for buyers, right? Um, and so, yeah, I we're, you know, if I was to be really honest, I'd say we're like a share of voice agency because well, we PR is part of it, but so is content, social. It's really the overlap. Like if you were going to do concentric circles, it's kind of like that sweet spot in the middle. And the majority of our clients that come to us, they want more market share. That's kind of what it boils down to, right? And so, so many times PR, especially I think PR, a little less marketing on, on um, I think gets a bad rep, but focuses so much on placements or like the vanity metrics or whatever. And what we really try to look at is, okay, but how will this move the needle for our client's business? How does this get you more revenue, more sales? More like, what is it that you're trying to, um, and in fact, when clients come to us and they're like, oh, I want more placements, we're like, mm, you're not like, yeah, we can get you that, but that's not even an ideal client for us, right? Similarly, I'm sure if someone comes to you and they're like, we just need you to do this one template, you're like, yeah, we could do it, but like, if, what's the goal? Like, what what do you want this template for? Right? Like, what, what are you actually trying to accomplish? So we, those are the conversations we have. And uh, we have an amazing team. We've been remote from the start. So COVID really didn't change how we do business. Um, I What it has changed is people's acceptance of a distributed workforce. Like they, that's such a sexy term now, distributed workforce, right? <laughs> like, uh, when I started the company in, in 09 and We'd have an office, people would be like, oh, where's your office? And I would, you know, jokingly say the cloud. And they would say, is that uptown? And I'd be like, yes, way uptown. You know, <laughs> like one of those, like, um, one of those questions. So this idea that you could even be remote was such an anathema in the business world. Uh, so yeah, we're remote. We work with clients around the world. A lot of our clients have global operations. We actually work with global clients who want, like, to grow in the U.S. and U.S. clients that want it. It's really kind of fascinating. So a lot of the work that we do has global implications. Um, and boy, I mean, talk about the world is flat, right? Um, they're changing constantly. So I will say as part of our agency evolution, you know, when you first start, you try to do everything, right? I think that's like people listening to this might be like, oh yeah, you're like, we could do so much because I think you come from a place of wanting to help. So you're like, you need help with your website. Of course, I want to help you. You need help. Like, I want to help you with everything, right? Because I can or because we can and we're we're good at like, and then as you grow, you're like, okay, but to scale and to make a business sustainable and to, um, and so now it's actually funny because we, we focus on the things we're really good at and we actually partner with a lot of other agencies. So we don't do like web development, like e-commerce. We don't touch any of that stuff. Um, we have great referral partners for different things. Um, and so, yeah, I think that's, that's been kind of fascinating in our, in our agency journey and we're continuing to grow. Like my, I'm not slowing down anytime soon. We're looking at a few acquisitions right now, strategically to how we keep growing. And the goal is always the same. Like, how do we better serve our, our customer base? Yeah. Uh, that's amazing. So I want to, I want to make a hard turn here, but I want to come back to a couple of those things. But and this is not a hard turn because you were talking about this in terms of what's the scope of services and what like what do people come to us looking for and what do they really need and two separate things. I reached out to you after you put out a post about dark social and it's kind of a buzzword that is getting a lot of a lot of play right now, uh, thanks to you and and a bunch of other people. 
Um, but it's a, you know, I don't think the concept itself is new, but it's a new term. Can you share what do, what dark social means and kind of how that, um, how that ties into the client engagements that you have or how you're advising brands based on the concept? Yeah, uh, and great question. So here's the thing, right? Neither the concept nor the term are actually new. It's like, this is 2012, 13, when um, it was one of the writers for The Atlantic that actually coined the term dark social. Um, and we wrote about it in 2014. Like, it's so funny. Sometimes you talk about things and you're so ahead of the time, they don't even like click for people. And you're like, okay, all right, crickets, whatever. It's funny because it's very meta for how dark social actually works. But today you see it, right? You see it so much um, so vividly. And a good example of also this is like AI. So yeah, we've been talking about AI for a long time and it's not, the concept isn't new. We talk about like, there's movies and you know, there's there's so much we've, we've seen about like the future and futuristic things. But look at AI today in its current form, it's very different, right? You can see it. Like look at all the tools and apps and different ways that we're using artificial intelligence. So I think very similarly, that's dark social. Like, yes, the term's been coined, the concept has been there, but it's never been as vivid to see and experience as it is now. And part of that is just the speed of the internet and how, um, you know, I think the pandemic really accelerated uh, of quite a few things as well. So just to, for people who don't know, like, okay, what is dark social? Very simply, it means that the majority of, um, social media engagement, if you will, happens where you can't see it or track it. And we have, I call this, this other, it's called data delusion. I feel like we're so stuck on data and we want everything to be able to connect dots, right? We're obsessing over the tangible when so much of it happens in the intangible and rather than understand it. And I don't know why, like, it's funny because like people say, well, how do I know it's working? I'm like, have you tried asking your customers? Right? It's like shocking. It's like, wait, wait, it can't be that simple. But what if it can? Right? <laughs> um, so that the idea of dark social is, is very simply how information gets shared and how people, um, it's not quite word of mouth because this is like word of mouth on steroids. It's how do people engage with your content? Most of the time it's where you can't see it. You can't hear it. So for example, I this is this is actually a perfect example, Gray. My team used Zenpilot. I did not know about this. Like I didn't know about you guys. The team researched it on their own. They found you guys. Now we've been having internal discussions. I've seen some of your posts. I've Googled Zenpilot and gone to your website, whatnot, right? Now, if you look at that from a strict perspective of like, hey, how did this person find us? What are you gonna see? Like, oh, direct search. Someone Googled us and found us. But that's really misleading, isn't it? Because that's not how I found you. <laughs> and the, like, it's the same of when you read something. How many times do you comment on it publicly? And you're like, this is a great article, Bob. Great. Like, you don't do that. Chances are you share it in Slack with your team. Or you said, like, how many times do you DM a funny reel, right? To a friend or a buddy or you're like, this is so fun. But you're not commenting on it. You might not even like it. And so the idea of dark social is like so much of your content is being consumed and you are influencing people. You're like, I wrote about this in Zen of Social Media Marketing. That's how old this is. Consumption plus time equals customer or client. And that's the part that people are like, just because someone's not engaging with your content doesn't mean they're not consuming it. Doesn't mean these conversations are not happening. Like 
it blows my mind why, why more people don't use LinkedIn or use it correctly because they'll spend millions, if not billions, on trade shows, right? It's a massive industry. Yet LinkedIn is like a huge trade show. Every single day, all your buyers, your partners, your team, like they're there. Why would you not use that platform? Why would you not, you know, engage with <laughs> yeah. Um, so, so yeah, so that's, that's kind of dark social. That's why I'm so gung-ho about it. And I think this should actually make anyone listening here feel better because if you're putting out content and you're like, oh, but we're not getting engagement, what does that really mean? And think about your own habits. Do you engage publicly? Um, I talked about this actually even a few years ago about the generational differences. Gen Z is actually a lot more likely to comment and put emojis and certain things, whereas older millennials, Gen X, baby, like they're they're the wallflower generation when it comes to digital. They're consuming, but they're not letting you know that they're there. Right? Um, think about all the decisions that you make in a day or a year, and how much of that does the company get to track? So we think this obsession that we have of everything has to be trackable is actually very much to our detriment. And it convinces people that social doesn't work or whatnot just because they can't have, like, I can't hand you a red thread, pull it to me and be like, oh, look, Gary, it's a straight line. Not like, right, not how not how decisions get made. So I think that's those are some of the key elements there. Um, that are sort of missed by people who think they can use social media uh, and then find find right, that, oh my God, it's not working. Meanwhile, you look at their websites, like you're not even asking people how they found you. Yeah. What are you depending on? How do you know? Um, I just think it's amazing how we create marketing strategies in a silo. Just yesterday, I actually talked to a prospect and they were like, can you give us a 2023 plan? And I was like, yeah, but it's not going to do you any good. Like, we should focus on one quarter, like, and they've never done anything market, right? Like they're new to the market. Like you should actually see what's working for your market. Try it. And then you'll have a much more strong basis to build on rather than let's throw some spaghetti at the wall. There's a time and place for that. Sure. But coming up with these grand strategies and it, like, you know, I, my team knows I'm such a fan of execution. I'm like, execute, execute, execute. Doesn't have to be perfect. Like get it out there. Because all that time we spend in like making something perfect and speed, speed is your friend. <laughs> yeah. um, anyway, so that might be actually more entrepreneurs than not, but I'm very speed driven. And uh, and yeah, so great. That That is sort of a long answer to what you asked about in terms well, of. I think I agree. So I was, I was going back through the notes as you were talking. So we asked when we got connected with your team, how'd you find out about us? And someone talked to our friend, Carl Sakis. And mentioned Zen Pilot um, as your team is transitioning to ClickUp, and uh, and so anyways, that was what we've got. And so that that's one approach. Obviously, if you're in B two B sales, you can have your team. That should be a standard part of your sales process. Hey, uh, great to connect today. How'd you find out about us? Um, or how'd you hear about Zen Pilot? How'd you come across us? And yeah, there's going to be some some people will say one thing, and it was actually something else. So I find that people misremember. And in e-commerce, you can do post-purchase surveys or, you know, there's a million different ways that you could go try and get attribution, but kind of high level, like what are your recommendations for agencies who want it? Because it, it's very easy as an agency to say, Hey, it's hard to get perfect attribution. So you should just trust us that we're doing a good job. How do you still present value as an agency? Do you need to go to uh, farther down, more meaningful business metrics? 
do you need to implement some of these attribution techniques? Like what are what are the recommendations you have for other agencies who are struggling with this? Yeah, great, great question. So I think here's the thing, like what you mentioned, quality, especially for B2B, because you're most of our clients sell big ticket items. Like you're not selling widgets. You're not selling pencils, right? You're not like none of that. So it's actually quite easy to ask your prospects, like, where did you hear about us? And also understanding that it is a very complex process too. Like it's not going to be Carl, who you mentioned, amazing guy, right? He's got great community of, of folks who trust him. Um, but it's never, it's rarely even one thing. Like the business coach I work with right now, his name is Charlie. He's amazing. Um, his company's called Predictable Profits. We've been working with Charlie for two years. And the way I found Charlie was two of my fellow entrepreneur friends were like, hey, have you heard of Charlie? Like he's, we're working with him and, you know, it looks like he's, he's got a really good pulse on agencies and how to help them grow. And I was like, okay, cool. Then uh, we're part of another group and Charlie's name kept coming up. So it's hard to say like, hey, it was this one thing. So when Charlie asked me like, hey, how'd you find me? I'm like, oh, our buddy Duran. But it wasn't our buddy Duran. It's really this like, I think that's important too, is the way people, part of it. So to answer your question, part of it is helping clients understand that these decisions aren't made linearly. Like doesn't matter what the answer that they want. Like I'm not going to give them a magic number because it makes them feel better if it's fake, right? Like, <laughs> um, but there are, there are KPIs that we look at. And so one of the things that we're still gung ho on and what I link double down is, is sheer voice because inevitably you, and that is something you could measure. Sheer voice is how much do people talk about you over a competitor in your space? And the cool thing about share voice is we know, like, this is fact. Nielsen does tons of research and runs the ratings on it. Whoever has the greatest share of voice also has the greatest market share. This is true of Coca-Cola. This is true of Tesla. This is true of, um, you know, IBM's the old adage used to be like, you can't, you know, um, you can't go wrong with Big Blue. And so part of what I also try to help folks understand is in B2C, a customer's trying to avoid regret. Like, man, I don't want to buy those shoes and think like, shouldn't have bought those shoes tomorrow, right? Like, am I going to feel happy with my purchase, post-purchase? That's why I think post-purchase, by the way, marketing is so important too, because so many people have that and it's like, did I make the right decision? In B2B, it's not regret. It's they're trying to avoid blame. That's, that's really it, right? And even in the best of cultures, like, what is my team like? They're going with Zen Pilot, like, no, look, Carl recommended it. It's a great platform. We've had these calls. Like, what are they? Tr they're trying not to be fired for. <laughs> That's And I, I'm speaking very bluntly here, but you get the idea. So when you are in an agency and you're selling to, let's say, other businesses, you're by and we work with agencies, we have agency clients, you're selling to other businesses. Very important to remember this, because the more you are trusted, the more you are the go to the easier sell you're going to have, the easier of a close it is, right? Like it's way easier to close a deal if you're the go-to and the people that are buying can justify that to their boss. Think about Salesforce, HubSpot. We talked about these. I'll look, I'll go on record and say that Salesforce and HubSpot may not have the best product in the world. For some people, they may. For some people, they, they may not. Are there other products that are potentially better? Sure. But do they have the highest share of voice? Yes. I mean, Salesforce has outmarketed every competitor they have, right? The, their moat has been marketing. Good marketing is a moat. 
like that is the thing that defends you. Your product could be the same as everybody else, but good marketing, people trusting. Like you go to your boss, you're like, hey, I want to develop, you know, I want to put in a new CRM system. And you have to pitch them Salesforce or Abracadabra, which is new to the market. And you're like, oh, I think we should go with Abracadabra. You're like, okay, tell me more. Oh, I want to go with Salesforce. Okay, what are they charging? Different conversation. Right. What I'm saying? For sure. Well, I think these are the things that are so important to remember when you're selling also, again, in a B2B environment, that building that trust, building that share of voice, this is what gets you market share. This is what gets you to dominate your your marketplace. Is that always easily quantifiable? No. Do I want to sit here and pretend it is? No. Like, if you don't, this is the funny thing I learned in early in my career, Greg. I, you know, when I first started, I would try to convince people how social media was useful because it was so new. People would say, what's Twitter? Right? Facebook is like for my kids. Remember Snapchat, TikTok, Instagram? None of this existed. This is it's, it's not even that long ago, but none of this existed like 15 years ago when we when I started the agency and I got into this world. And then I realized, you know what? Spending so much energy trying to convince these people that this is the future is kind of pointless. Like, I so I told my team, I said, we're not going to convince people. We're just going to baptize those who are ready. Like, if you already believe in the great, like, let's work with you. And I think there are plenty of brands like that out there. So look, while we do education on a broad scale, like this podcast, or we talk about these things, or I talk about, you know, these things ad nauseum on LinkedIn or on stages, um, my keynotes, my books, when it comes to specific clients, I'm not chasing them around and being like, listen, buddy, like, do you understand how this, you know, it's like, do you want to be relevant in the future? Cool. Well, this is what you need. Yeah, for sure. I think that's really good advice. Um, the truth is always the easiest answer. It's not always the easiest thing to say in the moment, but always the easiest answer um, long-term. Um, so there's certainly tactics that you can take around how we do attribution. And I think share of voice is a great recommendation um, and and something that's measurable. Um, now, great. I want to say it's all measurable. I just want to add, like, it is measurable. It's just I, not measurable in a number, but it doesn't mean it's not met. Like, you could ask, like, how many prospects do you could you possibly have, right? As a B2B company, a hundred? That's not that much data. You could literally put that in a spreadsheet and have an intern. Like, this isn't crazy data we're talking about. This isn't like hundreds and thousands of, no, not at all. Like, it's very easy to actually just ask your customers, how did you learn about us? Where do you spend your time? Rather than make assumptions and think like, oh, we're going to this trade show. Because we've done this for the last 10 years versus how do our customers consume information? How are, where do they spend their time? Oh, it's on LinkedIn. Imagine that. Yeah. it's a great point. Um, I've got a million other questions I can ask you. We have to say those for part two because we are out of time. Shama, um, zenmedia.com is the URL. Obviously, we'll have that in the show notes. You also have your personal website, uh, speaking website shamahider.com which we can link up as well are there any other points any other places we should point people to to follow you feel free to find me on the social network of your choice choose your poison and if you put you know zen pilot or gray's name in the message then i'll then i'll be sure to accept awesome cool well shama thanks so much for coming on and being able to share today this was a blast yeah my pleasure thanks for having me on